Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. everyone and welcome to episode two of the one woman book club podcast i'm your host grace and this podcast is where we discuss everything involving books authors and our current book club pick of the month if you haven't listened to the first episode i highly recommend it It is less than 20 minutes and it goes over how this podcast is going to work going forward really why i started a podcast and more So I do really think it would be beneficial to listen to. So like I mentioned in episode one, this episode is going to be the last one without a book club pick. So I wanted to release two episodes to get started and really just like an introductory episode, which was the first one. And this one has a different topic, which we'll get into soon. But then I wanted to give you guys a chance to pick our February book club pick on my Instagram, which is Grace's Reading Nook. And if I haven't already, so I'm recording this on January 17th. Um, and this will be released on January 26th, which is hopefully when you're listening to it or right around there. And if I haven't already, really soon, I'll be releasing four potential book club picks and there will be a brief description on them. And I will leave it in your hands to decide what our first ever book club pick will be for February. And I already have some ideas floating around. Like I said, in episode one, I really want to make it accessible and easy for everyone to get their hands on the books. So I was thinking about including two new releases, just because I feel like that's timely. And then two backlist books, just in case you aren't able to get your hands on the new ones. And those are the ones that win. Um, Whatever it is, I'm going to choose four options and give you guys a chance to pick the first one. So the next episode, um, which comes out the first week of February, we'll start out as usual discussing book and author news, new releases, what I'm reading currently, anything else in the book world, and then we'll discuss a quarter of our first book club pick. So as I mentioned in episode one, and as I will continue to mention throughout these podcast episodes, be sure to follow me on Instagram, Grace's Reading Nook, for all the updated podcast information, to vote for our book club picks, and answer poll questions and discussions that I'll discuss and talk about in future episodes. So this episode does have a theme. It's not just background information about why I started a podcast and what this podcast will be like, because I'm so, so (laughs) kind of sick of talking about that, even though it's very important. But this episode is going to be a recap on my top 10 2022 reads, as well as discussing the books I'm most excited for that are being released in 2023. So we're kind of looking back and ending out last year. And then we're going to be looking forward and talking about what books I'm excited about for this year. Just to kind of get into the actual podcast format, I do want to talk about what I'm reading right now. So like I mentioned, I'm recording this on Tuesday, January 17th, and so far I am two books into January. So it's kind of short for me. I set a reading goal this year of 70 books on Goodreads. Um, If you don't follow me on Goodreads, I believe I'm Grace's Reading Nook on there as well. And I do keep updated. I post a review for every book I read there. And I also keep updated how many pages into the current read that I am because I'm 
very addicted. To, it's like a game to me as I finish 20 pages of a book, then putting in that I'm on page 20. It's, it's, a, it's an addiction, whatever. So I put into my Goodreads for the year that I want to read 70 books. And that would mean I would need to read, I think, like six or so per month. I'm really bad at math, but I think that's what I had established it would be. Personally, especially after joining Bookstagram, um, I see people read so much faster than me. Like, it's crazy. I see girls who are my friends on there and, you know, people that I just really admire following that they have read like 12 books so far this month. And I just don't understand it. I don't get it. They're amazing. And it's just something that I have to constantly remind myself that everyone reads at a different pace. If you're reading, it's awesome. If you read one book a month, that's amazing. If you read 12, that's amazing. If you're still getting through a book, but you're trying really hard to get through it, like great, you're reading, that makes you a reader. And it's something that I really have to remind myself all the time. So even though I set those goals for myself on Goodreads and personally, like how many books I would like to read a month, it's really about the quality of the reading. If you're enjoying the books you're reading, that's what's most important. So don't be discouraged if you see people reading faster than you. That's okay. First, so let's talk about the books that I have read so far this year. So my first book of the year was The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. And what a crazy book to start with. So I did post my full review of that book on my Instagram, but I did just want to like give a little brief rambling about it. Let me pull up my Goodreads notes. So I gave The Measure four and a half stars and I rounded it up to five on Goodreads. And I said in my review that I've truly never read anything like this book. And it's true. I remember reading the first page and I audibly out loud was like, oh, wow. Like I thought the writing from page one was incredible. Like it just immediately sucked you in and was so entrancing and so magical. And one of my favorite things about the book, okay, I probably should give you like a little bit of a synopsis about what the book is about. So kind of like how I would tell a friend, I'm just going to go really brief, not looking at anything, not even a good read synopsis. So I do retain things. Basically, it's kind of like a dystopian reality sort of book. Um, and you're just kind of like meant to just believe it from page one. Basically, what happens is one day, every single person on earth who was 22 years or older receives a box either on their doorstep or wherever they live. And inside that box, there was a quote that says inside holds the measure of your life. And it had a string and that string's length was how long you're going to live. So everyone was really confused at first, like, where the hell did these boxes come from? They're like, where did these strings come from? Are they real? How do people know how long we're going to live? And eventually, as the book progresses, they found out that that string is like the exact length of how long they were going to live, like down to the month in the year. Followed, um, I think, five different points of view of people who got got these boxes and these strings. That book was amazing. I gave it four and a half stars. I loved the multiple points of view. I loved the characters of Ben and Amy. And I feel like each character had such a different reaction to what they did with the box and the string that it was just amazing to read about. So four and a half stars. If you like a dystopian future, magical realism vibe, you will love this book. Then the second book that I read of the year was The One by John Mars. I actually just finished that last night. And this is one that I truly can't even give you like much of a synopsis on without giving too much away. But it was five stars. I love getting five star reads. It was so good. Like I was describing the premise of this book to my boyfriend on Friday as I was reading it. And 
this is another one where it's like, okay, suspend reality, like just take the book for what it is. And there were so many twists and turns. So this one really briefly is about a company called Match Your DNA. And it's like a dating site. And you would send in your DNA like you would do for 23andMe or anything like that. And you'd be matched with your soulmate so long as they had also sent their DNA in. It broke up a lot of couples because they would send in their DNA and they wouldn't be each other's soulmate. Kind of very similar to the measure, like what would you do? Would you use this dating site if you were single? If you were in a relationship, would you send in your DNA? So it was just kind of like a crazy sort of another magical realism sort of book. So you know, on some books, how it says like a thrill on every page, like full of twists and turns. And you're like, okay, like, where are these twists and turns? Like nothing is really happening. Yep, this one genuinely had a twist and every chapter, every page was like, no, there's no way. Holy shit, that's happening. Like I was blown away. I thought it was so good. I read it so fast. And It was just amazing. And I can't really give too much away. It's from five different points of view of people who um, are in different stages of their relationships and are either matched with their DNA or they're not. And it's just amazing. So highly recommend. And then I am currently reading Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. And I'm really loving it. I also started this yesterday. And we're just getting to the steamy bits, which I love. I it got steamy about half, I'm a little over halfway through and it got steamy about halfway through. So but the characters are amazing and endearing. And it's really sexy and really smart. um, And I'm really enjoying it. So I'll definitely give my full kind of like synopsis about that um, as things progress. I probably I'm hoping to finish that today, actually. Just a brief side note. So a lot of my current reads are going to be for a really exciting opportunity that I have coming up. Um, If you've been following my Instagram for a little while, you know, hopefully you know, I'm really blessed and lucky enough to be featured on NBC Boston's The Hub Today, frequently talking about books for each season. So I do have a very exciting episode coming up in February that I'll talk about more once it happens or once it gets closer. But let's just say it's a little teaser. Um, A lot of my current reads are to do with that. I do want to talk about the celebrity book club picks that I follow really briefly, because by the time I post this and by the time I'm recording again, it'll be February and I'll be talking about those. So I follow Read with Jenna. She's my all-time fave um, because her book picks are so good. Every single one that I read, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love it. We have very similar taste in books. So her current pick is Sam by Allegra Goodman and holy shit. So I was like, Sam, like interesting title. And then I went to Target and I was perusing the books and I saw Sam and I read the first page and I was like blown away. And I'm like, I need this book, like genuinely need this book, but I didn't have my Target gift card, so I didn't get it. So it's a coming of age story. I am like such a sucker for a coming of age story of any kind. Um, They end up being my favorite books pretty much every time. So it's a coming of age story and it's one that I'm actually thinking about for a potential February book club pick. I'm not sure if I'll end up actually picking that one, but let me know if you'd be interested in Sam by Allegra Goodman because I am dying to read it. And if I don't read it for the February book club, I am going to pick it up the next time I go to Target or Bull Moose or anywhere with the multiple gift cards I have from Christmas. And then I follow Reese's book club and hers is The House in the Pines by Anna Reyes. And I've been really looking forward to reading that one too. Um, I have a list going that I'm going to share a little bit later. 
about the 2023 reads that I'm most excited about. And I hadn't heard about this book, um, but I was really, really intrigued by it when I saw it on the new releases list for this year. So I just looked up the synopsis. I knew it was a thriller, but I wanted a little more info. Reese Witherspoon herself said, this is an absolute can't put it down thriller. It's truly a wild ride that had me flying through chapter after chapter, which I think is the perfect way to kick off your year of reading. And Reese can be a hit or a miss for me. I don't know. I read probably the least amount of books from her book club, which I feel like she's like the most famous. But so this one, it says Maya was a high school senior when her best friend Aubrey mysteriously dropped dead in front of the enigmatic man named Frank, whom they'd been spending time with all summer. Seven years later, Maya lives in Boston with a loving boyfriend and is kicking the secret addiction that has allowed her to cope with what happened years ago, the gaps in her memories and the lost time that she can't account for. But her past comes rushing back when she comes across a recent YouTube video in which a young woman suddenly keels over and dies in a diner while sitting across from none other than Frank. So that honestly sounds really good. Um, I'm gonna have to pick up that one too. See, this is bad. This is where like things get so bad because I'm such a compulsive buyer of books. I love new releases. And last year I read so many more new releases than what I actually had on my backlist bookshelf. I have like 150 books in my tiny, tiny, tiny apartment um, that I have not read yet. So I really need to stop doing this, but I won't because I love to buy books. That one came out January 3rd. Sorry if you can hear that outside. I live in a busy area and there's like beeping going on. I'm sure you can hear it. Oh my God, it's still happening. GMA has The Age of Vice by Deep T. Kapoor, which I have heard so many, so many amazing things about. And that's really cool that they picked that one because I have it because I got it in my book of the month this month. New Delhi, 3 a.m., a speeding Mercedes jumps the curb and in the blink of an eye, five people are dead. It's a rich man's car, but when the dust settles, there is no rich man at all, just a shell-shocked servant who could not explain the strange series of events that led to this crime nor can he foresee the dark drama that is about to unfold. Deftly shifting through time and perspective in contemporary India, Age of Vice is an epic action-packed story propelled by the seductive wealth, startling corruption, and bloodthirsty violence of Wadia family. Loved by some, loathed by others, feared by all. This sounds really good. I hope not going to sit on my shelf for too, too long, but that's one that I'm really looking forward to. So I got that one in my book of the month this month, and I also got What Lies in the Woods. And that was just another thriller that honestly sounded really, really good. So those are the Celebrity Book Club picks. And those are the Book of the Month picks that I picked for this month. So now I do want to talk about my 2022 favorite reads, give you guys a little bit of information about those, um, because I think it's a great way to get into reading um, by hearing about someone's favorite books. Number 10 was The Many Daughters of a Fong Moy by Jamie Ford. Oh my god, this book was so good, you guys. I felt like generational trauma was a really big theme in reading last year. I read a lot about generational trauma and this one absolutely did it the best. I'm looking at my other books and like, did someone else do it the best? No, I think this one definitely did the best. This one talks about the story of a Fong Moy and the seven generations of daughters um, that come after her. And each, you get a point of view of each of these different women living in these different time periods and all the generational trauma that each one passed down to the other, mostly focusing on um, the current woman who's living in the current time and her daughter. And she's kind of figuring out generational trauma herself and how it's led to a lot of her anxieties. And she can now start seeing those anxieties come out in her daughter. And she realizes, oh my God, I have to do something about this. I don't want all of this trauma that I passed down from gener- that has been passed down to me 
from generation to generation to affect my daughter. And it was just amazing, you guys. It was beautiful. The stories were so rich and so layered. The characters were so complex. This was historical fiction because it talked about a lot of these different women in these different generations living through absolutely incredibly difficult times. Each one struggled with so much. Um, It was such a beautiful story. And I am such a massive fan of Jamie Ford, the author of this book. Whenever I talk about the many daughters of a Fong Moy on my Instagram, with her, I, I posted this, you know, the top 10 books that I read this year, I post reviews, I posted about, you know, historical fiction books I love. Whenever I post anything and tag Jamie, he is such a gem. He comments on like everything I post, even if it's not about his book. He is just an amazing author, um, an amazing person, and I love hyping him up in this book up whenever I get the chance. So that was my number 10 pick. All of these are five stars, by the way, obviously, because they're in the top 10 and we love a five-star read. Number nine, Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. This was one of the last books that I read last year, and it took me by total surprise, and it was amazing. It was another historical fiction, What Do You Know? Covey is one of my all-time favorite characters and books. Um just what a story. I don't want to give away too, too much. Um, But this was just an incredible book from start to finish. And it's a pretty decent size. I feel like it's close to 400 pages. And I think I read this in just a little over a day. It was one that I could not put down. The storytelling and the writing was just absolutely incredible. And in my review on Goodreads, I said, and I stand by it, if you're a fan of historical fiction, you need to read this book, plain and simple. So this one, um, giving a little bit of a brief synopsis from Goodreads, it's present day California. Eleanor Bennett's death leaves behind a puzzling inheritance for her two children, Byron and Benny, which is a black cake. And that's made from a family recipe with a long history and a voice recording from her as well. So in her message, Eleanor starts sharing a tumultuous story about a headstrong young swimmer who escapes her island home under suspicion of murder. So the heartbreaking tale that Eleanor unfolds, the secret she holds back, and the mystery of a long-lost child challenge everything the siblings thought they knew about their lineage and themselves. So it's her two children and finding out who their mother was, what she went through, so many hidden stories that she had never told them, and how much of a survivor their mother truly is. It was heartbreaking. It was wonderful. I love a historical fiction. This one was everywhere. Um, I got it for a book of the month, but it was definitely all over the bestseller list last year, and for good reason. It was amazing. And if you like historical fiction, you definitely need to pick it up. My eighth favorite book was The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Guys, I love Kristen Hanna so much, like genuinely. She might be my all-time favorite author. And if she's not, she is definitely top three. Like I love her books so much. I never cry as hard as when I read a Kristen Hanna book. My favorite is Still the Great Alone. Goddamn, that book fucking annihilated me. Hopefully you don't mind swearing. Um, but it did. It was It was so, so beautiful and amazing. I loved it so much. Um, then I loved Firefly Lane. I loved Night Road. Holy shit. Night Road was so good. And then of course I loved The Nightingale. I won't even really give too much of a synopsis on The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna because if you haven't read it yet and you're a fan of historical fiction or Kristen Hanna in general, you're crazy. You need to read it. Enough said. But I feel like the vast majority of people listening to this podcast have probably read it. 
This is set in France in World War One, and it follows the sisters Vienne and Isabel, um, as each one of them kind of makes their own decisions about how to survive this absolutely terrible, terrible time that's going on in their country. Um, Vienne has children at home, and her husband has to go fight for France. And her sister Isabel decides that she wants to kind of like lead the resistance and help out however she can. It's incredible. I wanted this book to go on forever, and it's a hefty one. You will love it. Oh my God. And it was originally, I feel like years ago or even like last year, it was said that it was going to be a movie with um, the Fanning sisters, Ellen Dakota, but I haven't heard anything else about that. So that might not be true, but that was my number eight and it's amazing. Next. Oh my God. Number seven. I'm going to say that all about all of these books, but I'm like, oh, I love that book. This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. I love Emma Straub. I read her book, All Adults Here, last year. And when this one came out, again, it's like kind of a magical realism element. Um, I sobbed to this book. This one kind of got mixed reviews. It only has a 3.83 on Goodreads. Not that that really means too, too much. But I love the thought about like, what if you could vacation to another time in your life or like your past? That's why I loved Una Out of Order last year. That's another magical realism, time travel sort of book. But I feel like this one did it like even better. I loved this one. So this one um, follows Alice and on the eve of her 40th birthday, she is kind of just like floating through life. Like she likes her job. She doesn't love it. She's happy with her apartment, her romantic steps, like everything like that. But nothing is like perfect. Unfortunately, her father is really sick. And that's like the number one thing that's going terribly in her life. But when she wakes up the next day, she finds herself back in 1996, reliving her 16th birthday. And okay, it's amazing because she's back in her 16-year-old body. She's back with her 16-year-old crush. And that's all great. But the thing that really gets me, you guys, is that she sees her father back when he was however old he was when she was 16 and he's healthy. Oh my God, you guys, it freaking knocked me for a loop. Like she's dealing with this present day illness of her father and he's not doing well and he's on the verge of dying. And she wakes up and she's 16 again and she sees her father healthy. Oh my God, can you imagine? So it kind of follows the story of how she got back into her 16 year old body, kind of like binding that relationship with her father a little bit. And I feel like I cried through like the last third of this book. It was just incredible. And if you haven't read anything by Emma Straub, it's a must. I really, really love her writing style. Start with this one, then I would read All Adults Here. But on my to be read at near the top is Modern Lovers by Emma Straub. It sounds amazing. And I feel like it's an older one. So I'm excited about that. But that was my number seven. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Number six was Mad Honey by Jody Picoult. Holy shit, this book was so good. And it's one that I've been really recommending to people constantly in my life. I'm like, have you read Mad Honey? Because you need to. This is another hefty book, like over 400 pages. And this one I know for sure I read incredibly fast. So this is by Jodi Picoult, like I said, and she co-wrote it with Jennifer Finney Boylan, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. As a backstory, Jodi Picoult was one of the authors that got me into reading again as a teen. I loved some of her old stuff like The Pact, I'm blanking on a lot of the other names, but if you were like me and in middle school and high school read a lot of Jodi Picoult, you will love this book. I've read some of her more recent books. Like I read Wish You Were Here. I I hate to say it, but it wasn't my favorite because I know so many people, it was like their favorite book of last year. There were so many things I loved, but so many things I like didn't really like. But Mad Honey felt like old Jodi Picoult again, and I like loved every second of reading it. This follows the story of Olivia, and she moves from Boston to um, her small town where she grew up in New Hampshire with her son, Asher. Um, And she's a beekeeper, and she starts taking up her family's beekeeping business. And then it's kind of dual point of view of Olivia and then Lily, who is a teenager in the town, and she starts dating Asher. And one day, this is right in the first few pages, so I'm not giving anything away. Lily is found dead and Asher, Olivia's son, is suspected of her murder. And it's kind of like dueling timelines a little bit because we hear from Lily, she's actually new to the town as well. Um, She moves there with her mother and um, it's kind of about her meeting Asher and their relationship going forward. And then from Olivia's point of view, we're in present day and dealing with Lily's murder and Asher being suspected of it. Oh my God. I feel like this book covers so many different topics and they're done so, so incredibly well. Massive five stars. I keep recommending this to everyone because it's like kind of like a thriller, but it's really like a family drama. Some courtroom drama, which is classic Jordi Picole, and she just gets it right. She is such a talented researcher. She researches, you can, it's so clear that she researches everything she writes, and it's just amazing. Okay, my number five spot goes to Notes on Your Sudden Disappearance by Allison S. Bach. I freaking love this book. So I sprained my ankle over the summer, and I read this book like in a day as I was home recovering from like dealing with that. It was a very nasty fall. I'm not going to get into that right now, but I tore like a lot of ligaments. So it was a lot of downtime at home resting my ankle. I don't hear a lot of talk about this book and I'm like, why 
It was so, so good. The writing, you guys, was so incredible. I picked this one up, I believe, on a whim from Barnes & Noble, not really knowing too, too much about it. It follows a girl named Sally, and she starts the eighth grade, and she is with her sister, Kathy, every single day. They're going to the pool, and they both have um, a huge crush on this guy named Billy, who works at the concession stand there, and he's a senior in high school, and basically, Kathy and Billy start start dating. This is all told from the point of view of Sally and like watching her older sister. And it's right on the back cover again, right along the first few pages. Unfortunately, Kathy dies. And this book is really just like a love letter to her lost sister. And it's coming of age and we see Sally grow up without her sister still kind of having a crush on Billy, not really sure what to do with those feelings and having like this resentment kind of from her parents. There's so much that goes on like family drama. This book is just so like it might be the most well-written book in this list. I don't know. It was just so incredible. I flew through it. Like I said, I read it in a day and it was funny. You laughed out loud. It felt so real. The characters felt like you knew them growing up in high school. I just like literally adored this book. I feel like it's an amazing portrayal of grief, coming of age, learning how to live again after loss, really accurate depiction of loss. Um, Just incredible. I was blown away and obsessed and you need to read it if you like a book. Like nothing like crazy, like no like twists and turns, like nothing like that is happening. But there are amazingly beautiful things that happen along the way. Then no surprise, my number four spot is Every Summer After by Carly Fortune, my number one romance of the year. Nothing else comes close. Another book that I read in an afternoon. This one, I know that it gets some hate because I know it's very similar to Love and Other Words by Christina Lauren, which I've also read. And I know it came first and I know it's longer yada, yada, yada. But Every Summer After, if I'm comparing the two, completely takes the cake for me. And I am so excited for Carly Fortune's new book to come out this summer. But this one was incredible. So it follows a story of a young couple and they're growing up in Barry's Bay, Canada. And it's really just like from their youth, how they're best friends, they grow up with each other and into their adulthood and into their teenage years, they start dating, they, you know, grow apart, they come back together. I don't want to give too much away. And I feel like this is another one like The Nightingale, which if you haven't heard about Every Summer After... You, I don't know where you've been. You're living under a rock, but hi, I'm introducing you to it. Just pick it up. It's a little steamy, but it's mostly just incredibly endearing and incredibly charming. I love Carly Fortune's writing style, and it was my favorite romance of the year by far. Number three goes to my favorite thriller of the year, which was Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar, another author who I adore. I literally, I don't do this very often. I messaged him after I finished this book and I was like, this book is life-changing. This is my favorite thriller of the year. How did you craft a book that's incredible? I am blown away. It is one that I recommend to everyone if you're a fan of thrillers. And I've gotten so many people to read it and they're like, wait, this is so good. And I feel like it's another one that like people don't talk about very much. I adored it. It's a masterpiece. So I don't want to give too, too much away, but this is basically, it's written by Richard Chismar and he, it is a fictional book, but he writes it as if it's a true crime book. Down to, there are staged crime scene photos between every chapter just to make it all that more real. And as I was reading, I'm like, wait, this actually happened, right? Like there's no way he made all of this up. It seems so real. Nope. It's all fiction. And it basically follows him fictionally going back to his real hometown. He actually grew up in the hometown that he talks about in the book. 
and murders start happening of young girls in his neighborhood. And he's a writer in the book and he kind of like takes it upon himself to start investigating these murders with the police. There are twists, there are turns, and it is surprisingly sentimental. It takes place, I feel like, in the 70s, I want to say, but it really reminded me of like a hometown in a small town that like my dad used to tell me, you know, he grew up in which I visited it. And I, it really like I was picturing East Hampton, Massachusetts, which is where he's from. And it's like he's my dad's age. And it was just incredibly charming and definitely gave me a Stephen King vibe. And I know that he works with Stephen King on a lot of other books. So if you're a thriller fan, like this is my favorite thriller of the year. And I've read and read a lot last year. So you've got to pick this one up. My number two spot obviously goes to Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. I don't even want to talk too much about this book because if you haven't heard about it again, I mean, this won everything last year for good reason. It's my number two spot. It was another one that I read when I was dealing with my ankle injury. So just something to think about. But um, this is so good. It follows the stories of Sam and Sadie and their friends from when their um, childhood, from their childhood. And they are very smart um, technologically and they grow up and they're going to MIT and they decide to make a video game together. And it's really about the story of them creating their video game company together and the trials and tribulations that go along with that. Coming of age, friendship, found family, loss, grief, injury. It just, there are so many themes that go on throughout this book. And Gabrielle Zevin, what an amazing author. These characters felt so, so real to me. And it deserves every single best book of the year that it won last year, honestly. And without further ado, my favorite book of 2022 was The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. Talk about a historical fiction pick. This book was uh, everything. I have no, I literally have no words. I have never cried harder as I was reading a book. I was full on hysterically sobbing. Even after I closed the book, I looked like I had been punched in the face. I was crying so hard, like gasping for air, couldn't breathe. This is one of those books, and I love when this happens to me, when I read the first page or like the prologue, and I'm like, yep, I'm going to love this book. This was that. It was literally incredible. I loved it so much. This follows the story of Cyril Avery um, and his life growing up in Ireland um, from, I believe, the 30s. Let me just fact check that. Yeah, I believe it starts in the 30s in Ireland. Please correct me if I'm wrong and goes all the way through his life, literally from when he was born out of wedlock to a young mother. And um, he's just adopted and into this awful family who never treats him like he's their real son. And it goes all the way up into his adulthood um, in Ireland. I have no words like talk about a chunky book. This book is massive. I feel like it's like 600 pages. But it's another one that I flew through. The writing is mind blowing. It's a master. It's a masterpiece of a book. And I know this is an old one. But if you haven't read it, like you need to read this book. I have no other words for you. I said when I read this April 4th of last year, the absolute best book I have ever read. It is a complete masterpiece. Every single page is remarkable and unforgettable. How John Boyne has crafted this unbelievably realistic and heartbreaking story is beyond me. I don't really have the words as I just finished, but wanted to write something. I never wanted this book to end. I want to pick it right back up and start it over. It was so funny. Okay, yeah, I said I laughed out loud multiple times. It was truly hilarious. It literally was so funny. But I cried like I never have with any other book. 
The characters are so deep and layered. My love for Cyril is unmatched. How can you read about the life of a person from birth until the end and not feel forever changed? It's a book that I know for sure I'm going to reread again in a few years and like pick up on more things, but just literally a masterpiece. So those are my top 10 books of the year. I have been talking for so long. And I know I said I was going to talk about the books that I'm most excited about in 2023. But I'm not going to talk about why, (laughs) because I don't have enough time. So I'm going to speed through this list of the books that I'm most excited about. And that's how I'm going to end the podcast. Okay, for January, The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. It just came out super excited about it. Ghost 19, Simone St. James just came out. No one's talking about it. Why? The Book of Cold Cases was an amazing book by Simone St. James. Super excited about it. All the Dangerous Things, Stacey Willingham. I own it. It was in my book of the month. That one's out already. House in the Pines by Anna Reyes. I already talked about. Just the Nicest Couple by Mary Kubica just came out on January 10th. That is one I am considering for a February book club pick. Let me know what you think. How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. I did not talk about Grady Hendrix in this podcast, but he is one of my all-time favorite authors. And I was very lucky to receive an advanced reader copy of How to Sell a Haunted House. That one came out literally today. So I need to talk about that on my book Instagram. But I really liked it. I think I gave it a four stars, but I can talk more about that later. Locust Lane by Stephen Amidon also came out today, which was January 17th. This is another one I received an arc of, but have yet to read. Very excited to read it though. Maybe that'll be a book club pick. Who knows? What Lies in the Woods by Kate Alice Marshall also came out today. And I already talked about that because I got it in my book of the month this month. Lastly, Finlay Donovan Jumps the Gun by Al Cosimano comes out on January 31st. I am very late to the game, have not read a Finlay Donovan book, but maybe when this one comes out at the end of the month, I will read it. The next is February Secretly Yours by Tessa Bailey comes out on February 7th. I am a whore for Tessa Bailey. I love what happened. It happened one summer and hook, line and sinker. Such steamy books, but I have heard she's kind of a hit or a miss. So we'll see if I pick that one up. Things Behind from the Light by Lucy Score. I did not read Things We Never Got Over, but her new one comes out on February 21st. So if you're a fan, mark that one on down because I know so many people love that book but I need to read it. Next is The Angel Maker by Alex North. That one comes out on February 28th. That's another one I received an arc of and have not read yet. I'm an awful person, but I love The Whisper Man by Alex North. So I'm really excited about this one. Next, we have March Reads. We have The Kind Worth Saving by Peter Swanson. He wrote The Kind Worth Killing, which again is on my TBR. That one comes out on March 7th. So maybe that'll again give me like the boost to read The Kind Worth Killing because I've heard it's an amazing, amazing thriller. What Have We Done by Alex Finlay comes out on March 7th. He wrote Every Last Fear, which I read at the very beginning of my book reading journey, but I have not read anything else by him and it was just okay for me. Next, we have April. We have a new Sally Hepworth book coming out called The Soulmate that comes out April 4th. Sally Hepworth is kind of hit or a miss for me also, but my biggest excitement in April, I'm really a whore for Emily Henry. She is the best. She has a new book coming out, Happy Place. April 25th. I am marking my calendar. I love everything Emily Henry puts out. Beach Read literally got me back into reading in 2021. So I am so excited. I have given, I think, like four or five stars to all of her books. I love them. And in May, amazing. I already talked about this. Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune comes out on May 2nd. That's one of my most anticipated new releases for 2023. Um, I have really, really high hopes for it. And I'm also really intrigued to read Tom Hanks has a book coming out on May 9th called The Making of Another 
major motion picture masterpiece. That's a tongue twister, but it is a fiction book and I am excited to read it. June, we have The Five Star Weekend by Ellen Hildebrand comes out on June 13th. Um, Super, I love Ellen Hildebrand, but she can be a hit or a miss for me. But for the most part, I really, really like her. And that is that I need to look that up, but it kind of seems like it's a sequel to the Hotel Nantucket, which I read last year, which I loved because in that book, they talk about Five Star Weekend. So or is it three stars? I'm not sure. I'll have to look that up to be continued. We have The Whispers by Ashley Audrain coming out June 20th. I loved The Push by Ashley Audrain so much. And when I found out she had a new book coming out, I was very excited. So I'm thrilled about this one. It's kind of a thriller theme for the rest of June. The Only One Left by Riley Sager comes out June 20th. Really excited about this one. I was one of the few people that liked his latest book that I can't think of the name of off the top of my head right now. Someone help me out, but I was one of the only ones that actually liked it. So I'm excited about the new one that he has coming out on June 20th. And then Zero Days by Ruth Ware also comes out or does come out on June 30th. Ruth Ware is another hit or a miss for me, but I'll probably pick that one up. And that's all I got to. I got to halfway through the year because I feel like that gives us enough to look forward to for the next six months. And then more things will be coming out from June to December that I'm sure I'll have the chance to talk about. But those are the books that I'm most excited for going into 2023. And so many more are going to come out. And I'm just going to buy all these books and it's not good. But that is really it for episode two. It was a long one. I'm going to have a lot to edit, which is something that I'm excited about and nervous about. It's a new thing for me. But that's episode two. Thank you guys so much for watching. Be sure you're following along on my Instagram, Grace's Reading Nook, because if I have not already, like I said, I will be releasing four potential February book club picks that if you are following along on my Instagram, you will have the chance to choose exactly what we read for February. It is all up to you. It is out of my hands, except for giving you some options to choose from. So I will be posting a lot more there. But until then, thank you so, so much for listening to episode two of the One Woman Book Club podcast, and I'll talk to you all so soon. Bye. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read Podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But what Wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to Season 1, we are thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.